Yeah, so you can play off anything I say as comedy because I'm just naturally. You are naturally. <laughs> I was going to say naturally funny, but that <laughs> what I meant was naturally like funny looking and funny to laugh at, not with. Being. I am the comedy. My body is a weapon. I enjoy you. Thank you. That's for sure. <laughs> this is weird now. We're back. <laughs> yeah, we're back, and today's going to be very fun. I'm already having fun. <laughs> because the cult podcast, we will always be talking about very auteur, culturally ancillary things that we find super engaging for their artistry, or we'll be talking about what we're talking about today. <laughs> cornball <laughs> yeah. like super straightforward pop culture blockbuster culture popcorn yeah popcorn flick popcorn fair and in this instance for me it is a double entendre as they say mm, they do say that <laughs> because i love comic books and i love comic book movies most of them and we're going to be talking about what if but, but before first. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that we're going to talk about venom another marvel property let there be carnage because we didn't think it was worth doing its own episode so we're just going to touch on our feelings on it really quick no spoilers by the way and then we're going to jump into disney plus's new series called what if what if marvel's what if dot 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 question mark yeah just ended this week yeah just ended today yeah anyway so let's talk about carnage let there be carnage let there be venom or as carnage says let there be carnage <laughs> i can't believe that line was actually in the movie yeah. when he said that my brain was already almost <laughs> turned off but i just turned my brain off at that point your eyes rolled back into your skull and you passed out so let's just this movie carnage has gotten sorry venom to carnage boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> has gotten a lot of good ratings, actually. Critics have said it's better than the first one, and I think people like it because of that reason. It's not as bad as what they said. It's been critically received well, and also audiences have also said that they enjoy this movie, and it's number one in the box office right now, which is and isn't saying much because of COVID films. But anyway, what did you think about Carnage of uh, Venom 2? <laughs> uh, so I just watched... The first Venom, shortly before seeing this one, because I'd never seen it. And uh, I think I enjoyed Carnage a little bit more, even though it is a worse film. It's very bad. It's a bad movie. Uh, it's great as a romantic comedy between Tom Hardy and modulated Tom Hardy <laughs> as Venom. The chemistry there is is still great. More of the same from the first movie. That's true. Everything else... Um, the CG's really good. Oh, yeah. The CG's great. Andy Serkis as the director, it seems he brought some of his experience with him and his performance capture past to bear here. Andy Serkis, I think, is a good director. Like, yeah. this, this proves that he's a good director. It just wasn't a very good script, in my opinion. Yeah, script and probably producers and studios. There were a lot of, we're assuming, hands in the cookie jar, and they all got trapped in there. <laughs> so I really didn't like the movie. But I, I, I laughed a lot in the theater. I saw this in a theater with a couple friends, and we were just pretty much laughing the whole time because it's ridiculous. A lot of the jokes land, but the rest of the movie is just funny. I think some of it's not intentionally bad, but it's it's all bad in such a schlocky, campy, poorly executed and written way that uh, that level of me expecting from the get-go, something that was going to be bad, I enjoyed my viewing experience. Yeah, I love Venom for up until 
Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 in 2007. Venom was my favorite all-time villain, and Carnage was a spawn of Venom, and I always enjoyed the chaos that Carnage brought to my comic book experience. So to me, Venom is treated with care in these movies. In both of these movies, Tom Hardy is Eddie Brock, and the character of Venom are the exceptional parts of these movies. I honestly never even thought about Venom as a character as having his own voice until I watched these movies. But to see Carnage sort of not done correctly here really bothered me. Kind of felt like character assassination for Cletus Cassidy. Yeah, Cletus Cassidy. And I understand why I think they did it. I think they're trying to give him more of a sympathetic villain vibe. But Cletus Cassidy is supposed to be a sociopathic serial killer with zero empathy. And I think they should have stuck to that because it would have been A, more comic book accurate, and B, I think more compelling for a viewer to watch like, oh, what would happen if a psychopath serial killer got this power? How would they deal with that? And how would Eddie Brock stop that? Rather than writing in this very strange love story Uh, between Cletus Cassidy and Calypso from Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) That was really weird and very unnecessary, in my opinion. Also, his relationship with Eddie just felt weird. Anyway, I had a really hard time with how they dealt with the character of Carnage and where the character of Carnage ended up by the end of the movie. Yeah. I would have loved to see that character of Carnage done just as well as they did Venom and Eddie. There's a lot of lore with Venom to play with and with Eddie Brock as a character, and I think they could do a lot more than they have, and I hope that with the promise of the post credit scene that they can bring a lot of that character into justice in, in the future. Give it some new life. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Yeah. Andy Serkis, not a bad director. I would like to see him do something else, but pretty good. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about another Marvel property not owned by Sony. And this time we're just going to say spoilers right off the bat. Yes. Just because it's really hard to talk about this anthology cartoon, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe cartoon. Semi-anthology. Without spoilers. Yeah. So I don't know any of the names behind the production of this series, but here's what I do know. and (laughs) This is for the listener. What if is taken from actual comic books that ask the question, what if such and such character did this one tiny thing different or or there was like one slight minor change in this one area and Marvel being the Disney enterprise that it is, you know, I thought it would be fun to do the first animated series that is canon inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the ever-expanding MCU. And the fun with that, I think, comes with asking questions that people might be interested in seeing play out on screen, executing slight minor changes to characters that we already know and love and have come to know throughout the last decade of Marvel reigning the box office. (laughs) And that's where the fun comes. And I think it was smart for them to do this show as an animated cartoon work because a lot of what they did episode to episode, it would just have cost way too much money for all those actors, for the production, the production design, the locations and everything that they did. It it would have been insane, like Mm -hmm. triple budget or quadruple budget to what would be a, a normal Marvel film or these new Disney Plus series series. Sirai. Sirai. Yeah, so that's what it is. And when I say anthology, again, that means every episode 
is introducing a new idea, a new what if question. And for example, we take the first episode, for example, it's what if Peggy Carter became Captain America instead of Steve Rogers? And they they take that idea and sort of see how that idea would wreak havoc within the lore of what we knew as Captain America, the first Avenger, the first Captain America film, and how that changes every little thing that they do in that movie. To varying degrees. Yes. Some episodes, when they ask a question like that, it changes the outcome of the story slightly. Other episodes, it changes it incredibly. Like the second one with T'Challa as Star-Lord. Yeah. Completely impacted the universe in a wild way. Yeah. Including befriending Thanos. He's a nice guy. Yeah. So obviously that means a lot for going forward. Because if this stuff is canon, there's a lot to play with Mm -hmm. in the future of the MCU and how that impacts the future. And then, you know, the other kind of aspect here is that the multiverse has been opened up. Big time. Big can of worms open. In multiple ways. In multiverse ways. And there's so much to talk about or so much to do. I just hope they don't go too crazy with it, honestly, at this point. Because it does feel like how much can we actually care about a thousand different versions of the same character. You know what I mean? But we do know also with what if there's going to be a second season. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was supposed to originally be 10 episodes in this season. And the 10th one, I guess, got pushed to season two. And uh, would that have been our Gamora and Stark? Yeah. Team up. It's funny because this, this whole series seems to hate Tony Stark. Yeah. They're pretty cheeky. Tony dies in almost every episode or has some sort of tragic ending or disregard for the character. It's pretty funny. Even in the last one where Watcher plucked Gamora out of her timeline. Not you, Stark. (laughs) Not you, Stark. You get to stay. That's so funny. It is hilarious. It's worth noting that this show became less of an anthology as it went on and ended in a place that sort of wrapped everything together, tied it together, yeah. Culminating around the Watcher intervening, which he's not supposed to do. Who is the Watcher? Who watches the Watcher? Who watches the Watchmen? Who is the Watcher, Stephen? I'm asking you. It's Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> That's true. Jeffrey Wright is the watcher. I don't know but what his who's name the character. Is. Uh, its name is U- uh, Uwaku. Oh, he actually has a name. Yeah, I always just call them watchers. I think I've messed it up. It's Cause, something because there are multiple watchers. It's not just the one watcher. Uh, they didn't really talk about that in this series. I think it's Uatu or something. Yeah. But I don't know much of his history. But he is, in this series, just a spectator. And for the audience, he is like the presenter for these stories. And he is narrating them as they go on. Yeah. And so towards the end of the show, there's a crazy happening where Ultron wins in one universe. And Ultron from Avengers 2. Yeah. Takes Vision's body and then very quickly takes the stones from Thanos after a little bit of a laser splits him in half. (laughs) And then he transcends to God Mode. And eventually, after dominating his universe, becomes aware of the Watcher's presence. In a pretty funny scene, the Watcher is narrating what's happening internally for Ultra Vision, God Mode Infinity Vision, Ultron. And (laughs) in a fourth wall break kind of way, Ultra Vision becomes aware of the Watcher and realizes there's a multiverse and breaks out of it and starts to dominate the multiverse. So the Watcher has to gather the heroes from the previous episodes, these alternate versions of the ones we know and love. And in about 20 minutes, they fight and defeat Ultravision. 
That is true. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the downfalls of the series is that the episodes are short. Yeah. I had read one of the producers saying, again, I don't know the names of the producers, and I'm sorry about that, but one of the producers said that the reason that the episodes were so short was because of COVID and that they originally were supposed to be about 45 minutes each, and oh. they all got cut down to about 30, maybe a little bit over, like 32, 33. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. But they had to they had to kill a lot of darlings, they said, doing that, unfortunately. And because of that, it is very fast-paced. There's a very quick up-tempo. You know, they, they tell the whole story of almost, like I said, for example, Captain America, First Avenger, in 30 minutes than the two hours that it took originally. And I think they could get away with it a little bit because it is an animated cartoon work. In some... But sometimes it really did fall short the emotion to me never lacked in that way i still felt what i felt and i think that's because i had previous attachments to the characters yeah but it did happen a lot faster you know probably would not be as impactful if you had no previous attachment to these characters true in that way that's true i think they are in this series banking off of our short-term nostalgia familiarity bias yeah short-term nostalgia that's funny. Some of the episodes can get away with it, like you said. Some of them felt pretty rushed. Yeah. And this does have a reoccurring Chadwick Boseman performance. Oh, yeah. Kevin Feige was interviewed about that recently. The interviewer asked him, can you talk about Chadwick Boseman's final performance as Black Panther? And Feige, almost becoming sort of emotional thinking about Chadwick, halted for a second and said, well, we didn't know it was going to be his final performance as Black Panther. He, and then he talked about Chadwick Boseman's enthusiasm for what they were doing with the series and the direction they were taking the character of T'Challa. And uh, Feige said that Chadwick had a lot of discussions with the team, the creative team, about wanting to bring more of that voice into the, the sequel of Black Panther. And after watching the episode, I think it was clear that T'Challa in that episode, he kind of is like this very positive optimistic christ-like influencing character yeah in that he changes people's hearts and minds Mm -hmm. for the good even outside of his own episode (laughs) yeah and i think that's what feige was referring to in that chadwick boseman was really enthusiastic about t'challa being this voice of change and influencing people in such a way where it impacted their decisions because their hearts were changed when they interacted with this character. And I would have loved to see that play out, honestly. Because yeah. mm-hmm. T'Challa, the Black Panther, the live-action version of T'Challa, I think there was quite an opportunity there to do that. For sure. And uh, it's really sad we don't get to see that. But that episode of What If was definitely one of the best, one of the stronger episodes because of that. Yeah, even those limited moments we had of him on the other episodes. Yeah, because he wasn't like four or five. Yeah, he wasn't integral in a plot sense, but thematically he was the heart of this show, even in his limited time. It is sad. What were some of your other favorite episodes? The obvious take, uh, the biggest one for me is the Strange Supreme episode. Yeah, that one was on sick. On every level. The animation was incredible. The story was really good. Amazing. They had Benedict Cumberpatch. Because <laughs> a lot of these, a lot of the mainline heroes, like Tony Stark, Chris... Spider-Man. Um, and uh, Cap, we don't have the actual actors from the MCU voicing them, but Benedict... Some, some of them were there. 
Some of them. I think Thor was there. Yeah. But Benedict Cumberpatch is awesome. But Strange Supreme was was definitely my favorite. I did enjoy the uh, the Star Lord one as well. Yeah. And the Ultravision stuff was really cool. I felt that was one of the more rushed arcs of the show. But and especially it was sad without James Spader as Ultron. But I think Ross Marquand did it, and he he did a pretty good job capturing not the tone of voice, but the essence of the like essence, the, yeah. the cheek of Ultron. Sure. Of that sure. Cocksure and it kind of made sense to me because his voice may have changed when going into the humanoid vision, you know, because it was an actual oh, like a different vocal cord. That's true. So I didn't have a problem that it didn't sound more like James Spader. Yeah, because they did get voice actors to sort of reproduce a lot of the other characters that didn't reprise their live action roles. Yeah, especially Lake Bell as Scarlet as Widow. Yeah, she did a great job, and so did um, whoever played the Tom Holland Spider Man. And Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, even the Tony Stark guy did a pretty good job. Any other episodes that stood out? No, I just loved seeing Strange Supreme go against... Be Supreme. Ultravision. <laughs> oh, that was sick, yeah. Like where Ultravision's going to go Galactus again and try to snuff out the cosmos. Yeah, yeah. That galaxy. <laughs> and Strange Supreme just goes, nope, chomps it. And Ultravision's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, you, you're the one I need to take out. Yeah. Those are some great moments. Yeah. There were some really... That's the thing is this show is full of a lot of great moments, like mm-hmm. things that I would have loved to see and in, might in still a live see. action Marvel venture. Um, I agree. The Supreme Strange was awesome. I really liked the Captain Carter episode too because it got all Cthulhu at the end. Yes. With that creature. We're not sure if that's Shumagorath or not, but it's probably Shumagorath. Mm-hmm which is uh, potentially maybe in Multiverse of Madness as well. Yeah. The T'Challa episode is great. I didn't like the third episode too much. or I actually did. That episode kind of had me guessing. The Yellow Jacket episode? And it's funny on that note to see how much of an impact Hank Pym has on this yeah. on this universe. Yeah. Because at least twice he's the instigating factor yeah. for these things. Yeah, there was a couple parts to that, like that episode and the Marvel zombies episode, which was like a classic thing that people had wanted to see for a long time. And they did it in this anthology series. They set up a couple of characters like that version of Spider-Man. I was surprised that he didn't show up in the finale when the watcher was plucking all the characters, creating the guardians of the multiverse. Cause that's what he called them because there was no reason to. And especially they actually plucked from the zombie universe, a bunch of zombies poured out, but Spider-Man wasn't there. And it was so strange. I'm like, was this just like a... Well, he was just Spider-Man. He wasn't even really a version of Spider-Man. But Spider-Man's always helpful and fun to have around. Yeah, of course. I'm just surprised that they had Gamora there, but not Spider-Man. But she was like alternate Gamora still. It seemed like he only wanted weird versions of the characters. Or Killmonger. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Spider-Man. I would have loved to see just Paul Rudd's head floating around. Yes. With with strangest kid making jokes, <laughs> he was so quippy it hurt. Oh man, yeah. Paul Rudd shows up in one of these episodes as just his head in a jar, like, with like Nixon and Futurama. That's true, huh? Floating around with strangest cape, and he's got a lot of jokes because of that. <laughs> he's in great spirits for being just a head. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people didn't like the party Thor episode, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was just like a fun episode. I laughed, I think, the most during that one because it was just so ridiculous. That episode is very memorable for me just because of the Thorverse 
Captain Marvel scene. There's like a 10 second shot where they're fighting hand to hand. And it's pretty incredible because we've never really seen two heroes on that power level. Just set the camera there and watch them fight, like go back and forth. That was amazing to see. And that's another thing that would be fun to see live action because they were literally punching each other through continents on Earth. Yeah, they got a little uh, Zod going on there. (laughs) (laughs) Neil before. But yeah, um, the finale was great. The last episode was called What If the Watcher Broke His Oath? Because watchers take oaths to not interfere with what they're watching. Um, But he had to to stop essentially all universes from being being, destroyed, being snuffed out, yeah, being destroyed. Seems like a pretty important job. Yeah, (laughs) I'm excited to see more, but I'm most excited to see what happens with the multiverse going forward into the MCU and how these characters might actually become live action at some point, or to see you know how the multiverse plays out in the new Spider-Man film, Mm. No Way Home. A lot going on right now. MCU, yes. Also, another kind of thing to note is that some of these episodes ended in not-so-happy endings, and that was kind of the fun of it, because as they were going, things would just end, and they'd be worse for wear. (laughs) And it was interesting to watch, because a lot of Marvel has not been that way, and so it made it more intriguing, I think, for the viewers to watch these heroes kind of fail sometimes. Yeah, they got to take a little bit more risk than they usually would. Mm-hmm. Test the waters with their formula and see what they can get away with. And I think that a lot of people enjoyed that risk-taking. Yeah. Like the Doctor Strange episode. True. So Marvel's never finished. We got Hawkeye coming out before Spider-Man and Eternals in a month. So we'll see you in a month to talk about Eternals. and <sighs> Excited for that. Right here, we're going to play the intro from What If, starring Jeffrey Wright. Time. Time. (laughs) Space. Prism. (laughs) I am your guide to these vast new realities. Time. Space. Reality. It's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless possibility where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities creating alternate worlds from the ones you know I am the watcher I am your guide through these vast new realities follow me and ponder the question What if?